Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 this evening, taking a little bit of a detour from 1 Peter. I've been working hard Monday, Tuesday, and this afternoon or this morning on a passage in 1 Peter, and I couldn't get away from this thought that's actually been working on me for the last really about two weeks now, three weeks maybe, I guess time's all blurring together. This thought I, I'd run across in some reading that I'd done and actually shared a version of this with the deacons. Uh, occasionally I'll send them a thought that it's something I've been reading on and I'll send it to them trying to help them and also give them a window into what's on my mind. In Joshua chapter 3, we're going to look here in just a minute, just the first five verses, but I want you all to know where, where this is coming from for me. We as people, as a nation and as a congregation, I know that the, certain people have gone through some things before, but I, I would I think I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm going too far out of school when I say we've never experienced anything like this before. It's a virus they can't seem to fix. Our country is literally shut down. I mean, this is the United States of America, shut down. It's interesting to me that our elected officials seem more interested in beating the other guy, making the other guy look stupid, and the other guy, by the way, I don't care if you love President Trump or hate President Trump, he's doing it as bad as everybody else is doing it. They're all in on this thing. They're more interested in helping fix their own, or helping their own image more than they are about fixing the real issue. We haven't, Brother Mark mentioned as we were coming in, he showed me the bulletin that was sitting out on the, on the table. It was the last service we had when we were here. I didn't realize it until he showed it to me. We haven't been able to meet as a congregation in a month. It was 15th of March, the last time we met. The month. Went and got groceries this morning. Vanessa's been sending me out to get groceries. She's concerned about the virus, and I understand why, and she has reasons for that. So she's sending me out. I guess she thinks I can handle it. I don't know. But uh, she's sending me to get groceries, by the way, which is a terrible idea. If you know anything about how I get groceries, I am not the best grocery buyer. I, like, I know what I like, and I get what I like, but uh, she wants certain things. But anyhow, going to that grocery store, I don't mind going to the grocery store, but my goodness, it's like you've ever seen any of those movies about Ebola or something is what it looked like. We're all decked out and everything. And, and it wasn't just, I mean, I did it because Vanessa wanted me to because I tried to take care of my wife, but it wasn't just me. It was everybody that was in that store. I mean, that's an unusual circumstance. And, and what that's got for me, and, and I, I'm only trying to express to you what's in my heart, and I'm hoping and help, praying that it will help somebody that's listening to what I'm saying when I tell you this, I've had a mix of emotions that just seems to get stirring up and stirring up. And even talking to Brother Mark right before the service, I think he's got some of these same emotions himself. So I imagine we're at least somewhat representative of a handful of y'all out there. 
I'm getting angry because I believe what is my God-given rights, not given by the Constitution, not given by politicians, but God-given rights are being systematically taken away from me. I am frustrated that what we have called socialism for so long seems to be just interestingly creeping its way into the core of our country. I'm getting irritated at some of these showboat preachers. If I can go ahead and say that and talk about my own kind for just a minute. Some of these showboat preachers are on the one hand fanning the flames of fear. And then there's others of them that are blowing some really, let's just call it what it is, some pompous smoke about having faith. And I know we ought to have faith, but good gracious, what they're calling faith is stupidity. At the same time, I'm sitting over here and I'm looking outside. I'm standing up in my office and working at the house and looking out and the weather's beautiful outside. It's gorgeous weather. I mean, we've had a couple rainy days here and there, but it has been beautiful spring weather outside. And normally, I don't know how y'all are, but my emotions tend to be helped and encouraged by the weather like that. When I'm outside in a day like that, oh my goodness, I'm happy whenever I might have been normally sad, but I'm over here getting this frustration and I got this this joy over the weather. I, also, there's, there's an interesting undercurrent when I talk to some of you all. We get together on Tuesday nights on the phone, um, and then I think Wendy and Bill have got this thing cooked up for Thursday nights, and there's some different times where I get some, and I talk to some of you on the phone and different things, and there's an excitement. I mean, it's an interesting excitement. Almost, it's, it's an excitement that some of y'all hadn't felt in a long time about church. You're looking forward to coming to church, not because you have to or because somebody's going to think bad of you. You just want to get to see some people, and maybe your motives aren't 100% right, but I'll take it. It's excitement. It's excitement. And then there's confusion that a lot of us have. I, I know I have confusion. I mean, on top of, by the way, all of these are happening at the same time. These are not different emotions. These are all happening literally at the same time. I, there's this confusion over when this stay-at-home order is going to be done with. First, the president said, you're going to be going to Easter Sunday. Well, we had Easter Sunday, and it wasn't in the church. I was standing here, but 99% of y'all were sitting at the house like you're supposed to be, and it was not Easter like it was supposed to be. But now they're talking about not coming back at Easter, but they were saying, well, what's going to be the end of the month? Well, now I heard, I, haven't, I have to say, I haven't checked, checked my facts, so don't take me at my word on this, but I've heard the governor of uh, Virginia is talking about going into June. What in the world? What, what is it? What, how long are we going to have to do this? And they're actually even protesting down in Raleigh now, starting right now, I think it is, and they did it up in Michigan earlier today. Uh, we need to open the state. So when is this going to happen? When is this going to change? What is it that they're waiting on? And on top of all of that, now that I don't know if any of y'all have this, but maybe you have some version of it, but I have an anxiety right now over how in the world am I supposed to be a pastor in all of this? I don't know. To the point where I don't know how to, to do those things where sometimes I'll try a few things and, and I kind of flutter out on it. And sometimes I'll just get so frustrated with it, I won't do any of it. And I just, I don't know what to do. And that's on top of how do I... How am I supposed to be a parent in the middle of this? How am I supposed to be a, uh, a husband in the middle of all this? How am I supposed to get any work done in all of this? Some of those things, I'm sure some of you can feel that. All of that's to simply say, I've never been this way before. I don't know which direction I'm going. And if I'm honest with you, I do not know what to do. I don't know how to feel. I don't know where to go. And I, I want y'all to hear that from me as, as barefaced as I can possibly be on this thing. I do not know. One of the first, actually the first sermon 
that I preached in this pulpit. I don't know if any of y'all remember that or not. I remember it pretty vividly. That first sermon was a Wednesday night in September. I preached from Habakkuk chapter 3, or chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 2. What to do when you don't know what to do. That was the sermon. At this moment, I may change my mind, but I'm thinking I may just go back and re-preach that next week. I'm probably going to do that just for fun, just because I want to, just because I think it's a, a sermon for the time. But that, that sermon kind of encapsulates where we are. What are we going to do when we don't know what to do? We're in Joshua chapter 3, I told you. I think Israel is in a bit of a similar situation. There's some differences, of course, but there's some similarities to it. You've got in verse 1 of chapter 3, you've got Israel, they're looking over Jordan, they're looking there, it says there, they, they've come to Jordan, he, Joshua, and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over there. They're sitting there on the edge of the river Jordan, and they're about to go over there. They're prepping to go in. They're prepping to cross the Jordan River. They've been in the desert for 40 years. They're finally going to get what God had promised them that they could have. But it's brand new territory. It even says in verse 4, right there at the end of that, he says, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. You've never been this way before. And like them, we've never been this way before. So what instructions were given to these people to go in a place in a way they've never been before? What was given to them? In this passage, there's given three very simple, very direct, but also difficult instructions to obey. And we're going to look at them for just a moment. I want to ask the Lord to help me as I give this thought to you, help you as you hear it. Let's pray together. Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to take me over, to overwhelm me, to give me, as your scripture says, that unction, that smearing over, just get rid of me, take over me and give your word to your people. I believe this is what you'd have me to preach. I believe this is what you'd have them to hear. I pray, I beg of you, God, please make this useful. Make me a useful vessel of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 1, we see that they're sitting there ready to go over to the River Jordan. And it's time, and this, it's about, about a few days later, verse 2 says it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. It's about to give them some instructions. Here's what we need to do. He says in verse 3, they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. First thing you need to understand is that the Ark of the Covenant of God was the place where the Lord would dwell with his people. That's how he did it in this time. He was there. That was his place of presence. Where the Ark was, God was. That's where he would sit. That was his seat. That was God's presence. That was God among his people. And they were given the instruction in verse 3 that when they saw that ark moving, it says there at the last part of verse 3, go after it. When they see the presence of the Lord moving, go after it. Now, what the, the implication was, until you saw that, you sit still. 
Don't, don't go chasing something else. Don't go after everything else. I know you're excited. I know you're ready to get into the land, but I need you to, this is what, the, the, this is what these officers were saying. He says, y'all sit still. He says there, don't you, you're going to stay in your place, but then when you see the Ark of the Covenant moving, you remove from your place and go after it. Best way I can describe what's going on here and what it means for us is a phrase that my daddy says all the time, T.J. Tilly. He says, figure out which way God's going and go with him. It's pretty simple, but man, man, is it hard. <laughs> what we need to do is quit following after every trend, quit listening to every loud voice, quit getting on every bandwagon, quit hoarding everything under the sun because we heard it's going to run out one day, quit protesting everything that we see. Because let me tell you, the government wasn't for you before, it's not for you now. The governor wasn't on your side before, he's not on your side now. So, so I'm just telling you, if you're upset about that, and I, and I am, can I just tell you I am? I am upset about it. I've been talking to my son Harrison he and I have been talking every now and again. He tells me he doesn't want to call me anymore because we just get upset. Not with each other, but with everything else going on in the world. And it makes me mad, it makes me angry, but we've got to quit worrying about trying to protest that stuff. Quit panicking about everything. We can't assume the worst, nor should we assume the best. Let me just go ahead and tell you, let's quit assuming the worst and let's quit assuming the best. Let's quit trying to read the tea leaves, trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing. Quit doing that. Instead, figure out which way God's going. By the way, when God goes, sometimes he's going to lead us into the fire. That's what happened to the three Hebrew boys. Remember that? God wasn't, getting, God wasn't, God wasn't setting a, a tea table for them to, to sit around and sit in the laps, laps of luxury. No, no, no. He was setting them up to be thrown in a fire. So sometimes God's going to lead us into a fire. Sometimes He's going to walk us across a river that shouldn't be open, but He's going to open it up. He's going to do miraculous things. That's what He does for the children of Israel here. But the point is, we need to figure out which way God's going, and no matter what's going on there, we get behind Him, we're going to be okay. We're going to be right. We need to pursue the presence of God. Do you believe? I believe it. Sometimes I don't practice it. But do you believe that greater is He that is in you than He that's in the world? I, I, I believe that, but like I said, my practice gets a little, little rusty sometimes. Because what happens is I'm sitting here cowering in fear or raging over the, the things that make me angry and realizing that I'm reacting to he that's in the world and not leaning on he that is in me. We have to be pursuing God's presence because he is greater. Do you know that if you are on the Lord's side, you will not lose? There is no way you're going to lose. Now, you might lose your life. We, I know that because you go back and look at the disciples, many of those men who followed the Lord Jesus Christ throughout his earthly ministry lost their lives for following after Jesus Christ. There were many in the early church that had to actually die, had to lose their blood because of following after Jesus, but they didn't lose because you know where they are right now? They are in heaven worshiping Jesus Christ as we speak. Talking about gathering. They're having a gathering like you ain't never believed. And you and I have that inheritance, that incorruptible inheritance to look forward to. We get Jesus. 
No matter what happens on this earth, and there may be some bad things that happen, but no matter what, we will not lose. We win. We are behind Him on the white horse in Revelation 19. We see Him taking over the earth. We see Him subduing our enemies. We see Him beating out justice. We see Him being King of kings and Lord of lords. That's going to happen no matter what. Let us pursue the presence of God. One day we're actually going to be in the presence of God. That's, good. That's something to look forward to. But right now, the closest thing we can have to being in God's presence is pursuing God's presence. That means we need to look for God where you know He's going to be. They, knew, they looked for God's presence where they knew He's going to be. He was going to be on the shoulders of those priests, those Levites. He was going to be on the shoulders. That's where you look for the, the presence of God there. We need to look for where we know He's going to be. Where's the Lord going to be for us? I can tell you, you open the book, open the book, you open the scripture, you open it from Genesis to Revelation, you will meet with God. You've got a Christian brother, Christian sister, a Christian spouse, Christian children, Christian parents. You talk to them, they have the Holy Spirit of God in them. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You all get together, you will have the presence of God. Jesus said, where there's two or three gathered, in my name, I'm in the midst of them. You want to pursue God? You better, have some spent, you better have some Christian friends. You better spend some time with them. You better talk to them. And you better make sure God's in the part of that conversation. You want to find God? You better spend some time alone with God. Spend some time alone. I'll tell you, even though I know I'm a preacher and I'm supposed to be this paragon of spirituality and all this sort of thing, let me tell you, one of the things I struggle with the most, just honest with you, is just taking that 10, 15, 20 minutes and just sitting down, shutting the world off, and just talking to the Lord. Now, when I do it, it is amazing. But, when I, but it's so easy. There's a hundred things in the world that I want to chase after. But I want you to know when you don't know what to do, when you're going away that you don't know how to go, you need to spend some time with the Lord in His presence. That is absolutely, it is, it is non-negotiable. You will not get any farther if you don't. The temptation at this point, even though when they saw the Ark of the Covenant moving, the temptation would probably have been to run across the river at that point. I mean, it would have been mine. I mean, good gracious, this is that second generation that had left Egypt. They probably had been talking about going into the land, the promised land. They'd been talking about this their whole lives. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, that's what mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa, that's what they all talked about. We're going to the promised land. And they are telling you right now, hey, as soon as you see that Ark of the Covenant, you get after it. What would you want to do? I mean, my goodness, I'd be head first in the Jordan River at that point. That's what I'd be doing because they're excited about this. They're ready to go after this. They've waited a lifetime for it. But look at what he says in verse 4. He says, now I want you to go after it, verse, into verse 3. But verse 4 says, yet there shall be a space between you and it. He's talking about you and the Ark of the Covenant. There needs to be a space there. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Roughly about a mile. About a mile between you. Now, you need to understand that the way that the, the, the terrain lay there, that mile allowed for everybody, the, the, what about a couple million people in the children of Israel, to be able to see what was going on. They would all be able to see that. They'd all be able to see that. And he said, if, if you don't do that, if you stay back, or don't stay back, you never know, you've never been this way before. That's what he says there. He says, you need to do this, that you may know the way by which you must go. 
for you have not passed this way heretofore. You need to stay back a little bit so you can watch what the Ark of the Covenant, what the presence of God is going to do. Because if you don't do that, you're going to get confused. If you don't do that, you're going to get lost. If you don't do that, there might be people that are going to get hurt. I don't know if they knew it or not at this point, but God is going to open up the River Jordan for them. There might have been people who tried to go across that river before God opened it up, and they could have got hurt. And God knows what's going on. He says, I want y'all to stay back a little bit. Y'all going to have to wait a second. I want you to get after the ark, but stay back about a mile. One of the best pieces of advice, pieces of advice that I've ever been given by my father-in-law, when you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Just wait. Just wait. Don't run ahead of God. You know, I, I think we, this, is, this is one of my, my faults. Some of y'all might not have this same fault, but I have it. I get something in my head that I think is supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen now. I'm ready to do it. Let's get on it. Let's go. Let's do it. And it's not what God wants to be done. You know why? God's not working on my timetable. God's not consulting Matthew Tilly about when the next thing needs to happen. God is God. As one man said, he's God all by himself. He doesn't need my help to be God. He is on his own timetable. So we need to not run ahead of God and get ahead of him. We don't need to go out on our own understanding. I think some of us are so smart and so wise, and I say that with sarcasm coming out of my mouth, because we're so smart and so wise, we don't even need God. How, how foolish is that? There's not a man or a woman on this earth that knows everything or rather anything that God does. That God, God, they don't have the understanding that God has. One of the things I tend to do is I confuse my enthusiasm and my confidence for the leading of God. I think some of you do the same thing. Because I'm excited about it. Because I'm confident this is the way it's going to go. I'm, I know. I'm ready to go. Let's go. This is what God has for me. No, 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 no. Hang on a minute. God's not following you. You got it backwards here. Carts before the horse, as they say. You need to step back. You need to get in line behind the Lord. You need to not only pursue the Lord, but you also need to wait on the Lord. Wait on a clear view of God. Even when it seems urgent. See, this is what the world's telling us. Everything's urgent. It's right now. Got to get it right now. Right now. Right now. It all seems wrong. We got to fix it right now. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to do is fix it all. And he says, no, 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 no. Your heart says one thing. Your head says another thing. And your gut says another thing. He says, none of that. The psalmist says it this way. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Because can't we justify acting so fast? We can do this. We can justify acting because we know this is the right thing to do. And he's saying, no, no, I know you think it's the right thing to do, but you need to wait on God. God knows what he's doing. And what we need to do, how in the world are we going to know what God needs? Or God's got planned? How are we going to know that? I think we need to spend a little more time on our knees seeking God's face. I think there's too many Christians who think they've got the mind of God. There's not a one of us, myself included, especially me, not a one of us have a corner on God's truth. 
God is doing what he's doing. Jesus Christ himself said, even the Son of Man does not know the day or the hour that Jesus or that the Lord is coming back. He does not, not even the Son of Man. He says, this is not for you to know. There's some things that God has got working that none of us know anything about it. We won't know it till it's done. So you know what we need to do? Instead of saying, we got the answers and let's go do it, we need to spend some time. Most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us, are acting under a stay-at-home order. Some of us are not even able to work because of that. You know what we need to do at this time? Not catch up on our television watching. Not, not catching up on our books and our puzzles and our video games and our computer, uh, computer time. We need to catch up and we need to sit down and sit down and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I have no idea what you're doing. But I'm going to wait on you. And I'm going to talk to you about this thing. I'm going to pour out my heart to you. Get on our knees and actually seek the face of the Lord. That's what we need to do. We need to wait on the Lord, and we're going to have to just talk to him in the meantime. Now, it's interesting what happens in verse 5. Joshua says to the people after this happens, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He says to them right now, the only thing you need to do, it's going to happen tomorrow. The only thing you need to do is get ready. It says sanctify yourself. Now that word sanctify, I think you kind of know what it means, but it, the idea of it is to purify yourself, to prepare yourself, to, to get rid of the obstacles in your life. Maybe it's sin that needs to be set, set aside, that needs to be confessed and brought before the Lord. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a fear that you have. Maybe it's doubt. Some of us don't have the faith in the Lord like we need to. And we need to kind of, God, could you, would you give me the faith? That's one of, can I just tell you all, that's a prayer that I've been praying over and over and over. It's, Lord, I don't have enough faith. You're going to have to pray. You're going to give me some more faith. Give it to me, please. So if there's a, whatever that obstacle is, whatever that thing that's in the way that makes you not ready, that's what he's talking about. I want you to sanctify that. He says, take the time you need. Take as much time as you need. you got all day. Because tomorrow, this is what he says in verse 5, the Lord's going to do something big. The Lord's going to do something amazing. You see, God is going to do things, is doing things, that you could never, ever, ever do. And some of us can't even imagine what he's going to do. And we could never do it. In a million years, we couldn't do it. You know what I do? I imagine a few of you are like this. When you get something on your mind, you just want to do everything you can, and you work yourself into a lather trying to fix it. You're sweating, and just smoke's flying, all kinds of stuff's going on, and there's nothing being accomplished. That's exactly where we are. You see, it's only God that can produce the fire that we need. He is the one that can accomplish this. God can eradicate this virus. Did you know that? This is not, this is not a thing for God. He could make this thing. He created everything, for goodness sake. He could take it out of this world. He could actually, I, I, one of the things that worries me, and I think worries some of you as well, is our economy. What is this going to do? You can't keep this thing shut down for so long and not do some permanent damage. But you know what? Our God can heal our economy if that's what he wants to do. I think, I think one of the things I'm concerned about is there's some, some bad actors out there. I don't know if it's China or where it's coming from, but somebody's doing, somebody's up to no good. There's somebody up to no good. I don't care how you look at this thing, and I'm not one of these conspiracy guys, but man, too many things are adding up. Some ain't looking right. But you know, God can revenge against those bad actors. God can handle that. 
He's not surprised by them. You know, I, I, I never did. <laughs> I never did think there was a whole lot of trust that we ought to put in our political officials, but they just proved it to us. They proved it to us. They're lying. Straight up lying to us. Somewhere along the line. But did you know that our God, He can revenge against lying politicians? If that's His plan. I don't know that it is, but I'm just saying He can. He's able to do that. But you know what? Not only is He able to fix those things, but you know He can fix the things, and I know He will do this, He will fix the things that are broken. Our God will save souls. He will do that. I will guarantee you that God is going to save some people. He is. That is what He has orchestrated all of human history to do. I have absolute confidence that God is going to save people. He will save. You know He's going to build His church? I, I, I admit to you that's part of my worries. Uh, is this church going to be able to survive? Is this church going to be able to thrive? No, no, no. I, I've got to have faith in what Jesus Christ said in Matthew. He said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not uh, go against it. Do you understand that, 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 yes, if we're worried about this, by the way, if McConnell Road Baptist Church falls by the wayside and, and disintegrates into nothing, I hope that doesn't happen. But if it did, you know what that tells me? It wasn't the church of Jesus Christ. That's what that tells me. That's what that tells me. But if we're the church of Jesus Christ, by the way, the people, not this building, by the way, I said that once, I'll say it a million times. If these people are the church of Jesus Christ, if you are part of Jesus' church, e Ebola couldn't come against this coronavirus definitely can't come against this the devil himself can't break this down we will gather if not here in the air we will gather we will come together it will happen our god will make that happen nothing no sweat no gyrations no anxiety no sleepless nights are going to fix that with matthew doing it but our god i promise you he will do that he'll provide us fellowship even in this time of separation, he'll provide fellowship. He'll provide peace. He says he will provide. If your mind will stay on him, he will provide you peace, he says. There's some of y'all that are stuck at home with each other. You ain't told me nothing, so I'm not, I'm not confessing anybody's sins, but some of y'all are stuck at home together. And your marriage is taking a beating because of it. But you know that God can heal your marriage. Some of y'all have bad relationships with your children. Did you know that God can help that relationship? God will. He can. You simply need to turn to Him. He will give you hope. The point is, your job is not to fix it. This is where we got to get it right. My job is not to fix it. My job is to get ready for God to do a work. Get myself sanctified. Help me to be part of His plan. <laughs> In Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, there's, a, there's an interesting picture. You remember uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. This big, we, know, we know about the big dream of, the, of the, uh, the idol that gets built and the golden head and all that stuff and all the symbolism there. But there's a picture in there that, that always... It, I heard a sermon on this many years ago. My father-in-law preached out of Daniel chapter 2. And he was talking about that rock that comes out of nowhere. The rock made without hands. It crushes that idol. That's, that was the, that's the instance of the story. But you know who that rock is? That rock is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That is God. Here's what, it, here's what I want you to understand. Is God, our God, He is a world-sized boulder. And He is rolling in His direction. And you either get on board or you're going to be crushed.
Get on board with Him. Get your soul ready for Him. And you can watch Him do a work. One of the prayers that I prayed, and I know I'm going a little long here, but y'all got to stick with me for a minute. Y'all got to stick with me. One of the prayers that I prayed many, many, many years ago. Not that God would necessarily use me, although I would be available if He wanted to. I just wanted to see Him do a work. I still pray that prayer. I want to see Him do something. And if I'm hearing what Joshua said, we need to get ourselves ready. God is going to do something. Something, what does He say there? He's going to do wonders. But we got to get on board with Him. The problem is, some of us, we're sitting on the sidelines telling God how to do His job. And first of all, God doesn't care. He ain't listening to you. He's going to do what He's going to do. But you're the one that's in trouble because you're going to be on the wrong side of our Lord God. And you need to get on board with Him and say, Lord, what's in the way? What is wrong with me? What needs to be fixed about me? What am I not doing? What am I missing here? Because I want to see you do a work. We need to get to that position. God will do a work. We have never been this way before. If we've ever needed God's presence, if we've ever needed His direction, if we've ever needed His power, it's right now. So what are we going to do about it? One, we need to quit telling God how to do His work. We need to stop. I say that to McConnell Road Baptist Church because y'all are the ones listening to me, but I would say it to every one of these preachers, myself included, we need to just quit telling God how to do what He does. Stop it. He's, in, he's either in control or He's not. He either loves you or He doesn't. Now, one, one of the two. I happen to believe He's in control. I happen to believe He loves you. But you have to pick your choice. Which one is it? Is He in control or not in control? Does He love you or does He not love you? Pick one. And I believe He does. I believe He is in control. So we're going to let the Lord lead the way. Again, I know that God has put me in a position of being your pastor, and I want to be the best pastor I possibly can for the position God's given me. I do want to do that, but it's not Matthew you need to follow. I need to point you, and I want you to be pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that's going to lead the way. We need to let the Holy Spirit do His work. By the way, the Holy Spirit is an amazing, amazing person. He does so many things. So many. <laughs> Most people, if we did half of what the Holy Spirit could do, you wouldn't hear the end of how wonderful we were. But the Holy Spirit is one of those kind of people. He just, he just does His work. And he's quiet. He just does it. And He says, there's Jesus. We just need to let Him do His work. And we need to obey the clear direction. By the way, I'd say about 75-80% of the Bible, is, and there's no debate. There's no gray area. No debate on it. We just need to do, if we do about half of what we actually know, I think we'd be at a better spot. So let's just obey the clear, visible direction of the Lord, and we need to do so humbly, quietly, and obediently. I don't normally do this, but I want to encourage you, if you are want to look at social media, to go find a video by a man, he's a pastor, he's Pastor Stacy Shiflett. He's a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland. It's a video that was put up today entitled, It's Time to Fight. You need to watch that video. It's not exactly the message I have here, but it's related to this in that he's telling us, church, we need to keep our eyes on the big picture. 
That picture is not protesting Raleigh. It's not protesting Washington. It's not getting mad at the government. It's not getting excited about uh, money from the government. It's not any of those things. It's about being the church of Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ has always done what the Lord told it to do. And when we obey our Lord, and sometimes in persecution, sometimes in luxury, but no matter which circumstances we're in, we obey Him and God does a wonderful work when we obey Him. It's not passive. It's not sitting back and watching the world go by. We have some work to do. We do need to go after the Lord, pursue Him. We do need to wait on the Lord. We need to pray. And we need to prepare ourselves by purifying ourselves. One of the ways that I'm proposing for us to do this, and again, I'm talking to our church. I'm sure we have some other folks listening. I appreciate them joining, but for our church, one of the things I'm going to try to do for us, I'm, I was trying to figure out what to do next in terms of, of our sermon series. I was thinking about going back to Mark, and I couldn't get peace about that. But I keep getting led back to the Psalms. And in the Psalms, there are some Psalms of lament. That's what they're called doesn't mean, I mean, some of them are actually pretty dark and depressing, don't get me wrong, but it's not just about being dark and depressive. It's called lament, crying out to our Lord in our time of trouble. That's what those psalms are about. So for the next, I think it's about four weeks, four, six weeks I think it is, between now and Mother's Day, six weeks. We're going to do that on Sunday morning, Sunday nights. We're just going to spend time in the psalms, the psalms of lament. We're going to cry out to our Lord in our time of trouble. We're going to see what the Lord has, to, the, the Word has to say. But we're also going to respond to that in times of prayer. It's going to be a little bit unusual, a little bit different, but we're going to have some times of prayer on Sunday morning and Sunday night, specifically crying out to our God, please prepare us for what you're going to do. God's people need to seek after God. We need to seek His face. And we need to prepare for His work. I hope that you're ready to do that. I know I am. I'm certainly trying but we're going to have to ask the Lord for more help. We're not strong enough to do this by ourselves. We need Him. We need Him. I'd like to pray. Pray that God will apply His Word to our hearts. Give us the courage to obey. The Spirit to obey. Father, I believe that I was able to say what needed to be said but my, verb, my verbalizing it is not enough. Your Holy Spirit is going to have to take your word and punch it into the hearts of men and women, young people that heard this. Convince us, convict us, give us the confidence of what your word says. and Help us to sit still for every other voice and only hear the voice of the Master. Help us to wait on your timing call out to you, waiting on you. And in the meantime, prepare our hearts. Lord, you're going to have to do that. And we're asking this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.